Today I'm going to be meditating on a concept, not so much an individual verse. There's going to be lots and lots of verses. Um, But the concept is walking by the Spirit, not by what we see in the natural, and also kind of along those lines, seeing into the unseen. So I went through all of the letters in the New Testament and uh, was kind of pulling out individual verses that were talking about this concept to hopefully help to illustrate it. Because if we think of ourselves as a body that has a soul and the spirit is the part of you that gets renewed when you become born again and then you get Jesus' spirit and you are exactly identical to him. Uh, But we've got this soul, our mind, will, and emotions in the middle that gets to decide, is it going to focus on what it sees with, you know, your, your five senses, or is it going to focus on what it sees in the spirit by what the word tells us is true, by what it tells us we have in the spirit. If you think of your soul as like the valve that will take from what is in the spirit and draw it into the physical, then that helps to give a new perspective on what we see. So here's a bunch of verses that I was kind of looking at to see if we could pull out that idea and shift the attention, not so much from the physical over into the spiritual. So in Romans, Romans 1.17 says, the just shall live by faith. And then another example of this is in Romans 4.17, God who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did. So he's our... He's our... um, he manifests this for us. He he models it for us. That's a better word. Uh, he's the one who calls things that be not as though they are, but with perfect faith. Jesus modeled this perfectly. All of his miracles were him seeing into the anablepo was the, the word in Greek of looking up. He looked up into what's available in the spirit and he called it forth into the physical with this perfect absolute conviction that what he spoke as in heaven, it will be done on earth as he said it. Um, and then, so this is speaking of Abraham. This is uh, uh, Romans four twenty to 21. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, like in the midst of the problem. He's giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. So in the midst of before he'd ever seen it actually happen, he is not looking at the physical. He's looking at the spiritual. He's looking at the promise and he's glorifying God for the answer before he sees it. Um, Romans 8 1 says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit so this is the prescription for how those of us who are in Christ Jesus are to behave we are not to be looking at what's in the flesh we are to be looking according to what we see in the spirit and for and, and when we're doing that there's no condemnation because what the spirit is perfect it's Jesus spirit that we have um, and then for Romans 8, 5 to 8, goes into this a little more. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So you can tell which one you're looking at by whether you have death in your life, not necessarily physical death, but anything that is not what God wants you to be experiencing. Anything that is contrary to his principles, his promises, if those are the things that are reigning in your life, if you're if you're struggling um, in those areas versus if you have life and peace, that'll tell you which one you're focused on. 
Um, and then Romans 8, 24 to 25 says, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with perseverance. So that perseverance is, again, just like Abraham modeled for us, it's that absolute conviction that what God says is going to come to pass. And the focus is on that regardless of what we see in the natural. Um, and then in Second Corinthians, there's a lot of speaking, a lot, of, a lot of this concept. In Second Corinthians one twenty, for all the promises of God in Him, meaning if you are in Christ, if, in, if you're in Christ, you have His Spirit. All the promises of, of God in Him are yes, and in Him, Amen, to the glory of God through us. So. Everything in Jesus, all of God's promises, if you've got the spirit, they've already been deposited on the inside of you. You've got them. They're yours. And that they're there for God's glory so that you can take what God has deposited on your spirit and funnel it through, renew your mind with the, with the word of God and, and transform it so that you can pull those things into the physical. Um, and then verse three, or Second Corinthians three fourteen to eighteen says, um, "Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty." But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So this is another example of, I didn't read this one, but Romans 12, 1 and 2 is the one that talks about um, renewing your mind with, this, with the scriptures. So by doing that, we are transforming our soul from glory to glory. So we're immediately saved and meaning our spirit is completely regenerated the moment that we accept Jesus, but we are also working out our own salvation with fear and trembling by renewing our our minds with scripture. So that's what this is talking about. As that's happening, we are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're looking into what we have in the spirit. And as a result of that, we are being transformed in our souls from the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. That is what is doing it to us. Um, and then Second uh, Corinthians 4.18, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. That's why God was able to do that. He's able to look at the things that are not and call them as though they were. Because he knows what's in the, what's in the eternal, what's in the spirit, that is lasts forever. Those promises are, they absolutely are. What we see right now is changeable. It's all temporary. The, the, you know, the phrase, this too shall pass. We will, we will go into another phase later, but this too shall pass. And we, what those things are all temporary. The things that are not seen, all of those promises that in him are yes and in him are amen, those are eternal. That's where we should place our focus. And then Second uh, Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Second Corinthians five seventeen. if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So this is where we're getting that from, that, that idea that our souls are totally regenerated. All things, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we know that's not in our bodies. Our bodies look exactly the same. We know it's not in our souls. Whatever we struggled with before, we're probably still struggling with. Uh, that That's part of the, the process of renewing our minds. And that, that happens as we renew our minds. But the less we're doing that, the less we're actually going to see that change. The place where all things have become new is in your spirit. That is what has been regenerated. 
Galatians. Um, this is Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And Abraham, remember, was the father of faith. He was the one who believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That is the same way that we receive the righteousness by placing our faith in what God says, because that in that way we are Abraham's seed. And that also means that all of the promises God gave to Abraham belong to us. All of the blessings that were given to Abraham and his seed, his physical seed, the Jews. All of those things have been fulfilled by Christ on the cross. He fulfilled all of the curse part of what was what showed up in the Mosaic Covenant. Now we just have the blessings. That is the part that we live in now. And then um, Galatians 6, 8 to 9 says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So again, which one are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the body or are you focusing on the Spirit? And let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart and how you avoid losing heart is by looking at what's in the spirit looking at what you already have looking at what God says is as eternal and all of those promises that are in the spirit not focusing on the things that haven't yet manifested and giving thanks for what he has deposited on the inside of you for all of that power the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of you all of that power is in you and we can rejoice even in the midst of tribulation because we know that that is absolutely true that what he says is true and he cannot lie Ephesians. So Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where it is. It's in the spirit. But we can pull it from the spirit as we renew our minds. Um, Ephesians 1, 18 to 19. So this is uh, Paul's prayer that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. So that meaning like you're going to see what's actually available to you, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? You're only going to see that if you're focused on what it says you have. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? It's all there for you. It's all available. Um, and then Ephesians 3, 17 to 19, that you, it's again his prayer, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what the what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's how you get it. Faith works through love. Faith works through understanding the depth of Christ's love for you. The more you are in that, the more there's absolute peace. There's, you know, Isaiah 26, 3 says that um, you will keep him in perfect peace. The phrasing there is shalom, shalom. Saying it once wasn't strong enough. He had to say it twice in a row. So then it was translated perfect peace for those who keep their mind on you because they trust in you. So that means like shalom, shalom is nothing missing, nothing broken, absolutely everything, the the love, the joy, the peace, and all in the prosperity and the health and everything that God has for us. It's all promised. And that kind of peace, that kind of absolute conviction happens when there is total trust, total trust. And that trust comes through love. When you know how deeply you are loved, when you know, when you understand what God did for you, how much he adores you, then there isn't any, any room for, for fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And I'll get to that verse in a little bit, I think. Um, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. So 
Yes, he is able to to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, but it's not going to happen just, you know, sovereignly. He's not just going to swoop in and do it. It is according to the power that we know we have. That power is already deposited on the inside of you. It is in your spirit. But that power that works in us, the way it works in us is by renewing our minds, meditating on it, and getting that absolute revelation and giving thanks for what you already have. That is how that anablepo happens, where you see into the spirit and you pull it into the physical. Uh, Philippians. So this is also Paul's recommendation for this. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. This one's really famous. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, because you know that the answer is going to be a yes if you're praying according to his will. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So you're thanking him that it is already done. Just like Jesus talks about that if you ask, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it and it shall be yours. That's why you're giving thanks. That's why you have this peace that is guarding your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Um, Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, so after you've done this, this is how you fix your mind. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So make sure that you stay your mind on what God says and on the good things. Um, And then Paul also says in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because again, we've got that deposited on on the inside. We've got that power in the spirit. And regardless of what the circumstance looks like, if we look at that, then we are not looking at what's in the physical and we can rejoice and we can have that strength and we can have that peace and conviction. Um, And then he also says with, with, with confidence in Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.15-17, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things and in him all things consist. So I think of that as part, is similar to 2 Corinthians 4.18 that's talking about what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is is eternal. And that idea of everything that we see came out of what was invisible. That is the greater reality. Uh, Colossians 1.27, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he is in you. That spirit is in you. The hope means that it hasn't necessarily become visible yet. So that happens later, but there's this hope, there's this conviction, and there's the glory that is in you already. Christ in you. That's the mystery. Colossians 3, 1 to 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So um, I heard somebody say uh, recently that this is almost like, you can you can envision this like it's an avatar. Like you are currently seated in heavenly places with Christ because you were, Christ is in you um, and you are in him. So there's that recipro- reciprocity going on. You're up there right now. So in the same way, and I guess that's probably in part because time is different up there, but if you think of this like an avatar, you're up there and you have a um, like goggles on, I guess, and then your avatar is your physical body here, and you're in it, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions is going through the, the, the motions of your life here, but you're also at the same time up there where everything is absolutely perfect and fine, and you have everything that you need. 
um, Hebrews. So this one, uh, Hebrews one three says, um, God upholds all things by the by the word of His power. And I've seen it also. Um, different translations will say His powerful word, and it probably doesn't make that much of a difference. But I like the idea that the word is His power, the way that it's phrased that way. Um, and that also suggests again that the physical is inferior to what is in the invisible. The physical has to bow the knee. God is the one who is sustaining it. And if he ever withdraws that word of his power, then everything evaporates. Everything ceases to exist, right? Um, Hebrews 4, 1 and 3. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest um, still remains, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. And later on in uh, chapter 4, it says, there remains a rest for the people of God. For he who entered his, uh, his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall short of the same example of disobedience, referring to the Israelites entering into the promised land. So, God intended to give them rest from their enemies and from all of their labor of wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, which they were never supposed to do. It's supposed to be like a year and a half um, if they'd actually obeyed. But he intended for them to have that rest. And that was the reason why it was the 40 years because they didn't enter in. They were wandering um, after that because they refused to go in and fight the giants. God wanted to give them rest, but they didn't mix that word with faith. So they weren't able to go in and and obtain everything that God had, had given them. So now the writer of Hebrews is warning us not to do the same thing. When God gives us a word, rest in that. In the same way that in the midst of the storm, Jesus slept on the boat, that is what we are supposed to do when we're in the middle of a crisis because God's word still stands and we can be in rest regardless because we have the promise. Okay, and then um, let's see, 412, so a little bit further down. For the word of God, this is again about renewing your mind in scripture. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So this is interesting that it's dividing between soul and spirit. A lot of times it's hard to tell what's us versus what's him. And that is what the word will do. It'll help to divide. Like, is this just your desire, your mind, will, and emotions? Or is this actually something that is coming from God? The word helps to make that clear. And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings that word to your remembrance. So we've got him in us. We've got that teacher. He can give us everything we need in order to identify that. Um, And then uh, Hebrews 6. So uh, I'm just pulling out a couple of verses in um, 6, verses 13 to 19. Uh, When God is speaking to Abraham... He says, surely, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. I love that, that it's it's so overemphasized. Like as he's blessing, he's going to bless him more. As he's multiplying him, he's going to multiply him more. And remember Galatians had said, Galatians 3 had said, all of the promises that are given to Abraham belong to us. They're ours now. Um, and then later on um, in that verse, in verse 19, 619, it says, this hope we have is an anchor for the soul. So we can, no, no matter what else is happening. So think of it like a ship has an anchor that keeps it in place, no matter what the waves are doing. They can be tossing it to and fro all all over the place, but that anchor keeps it in that spot. It's not going anywhere, both sure and steadfast. 
Okay. Um, and then Hebrews ten twenty three. let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And then ten thirty five to 36, therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward for you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And then faith is the substance, as we all know of this, this is a famous verse. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11, 1. So um, the, the hope is future faith is that absolute confidence. It's the point where you're rejoicing that it is done now, even before you see it. Faith is that substance of things hoped for. You know, once you're there, that it's happening. And then, um, Hebrews 11.3, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. So there are lots of verses that are backing that idea up. Um, Hebrews 12, 1-2, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So um, I'm picturing this as like Jesus was, he knew the cross was ahead of him, And if he'd focused on that, who knows what would have happened. But he looked past that. He looked at what was going to happen three days later, that he was going to resurrect. And as a result of that, he was going to make possible the redemption of all mankind and the expansion of that family. And that was the joy that he saw. It was our redemption. And that was it was, it was him seeing into the unseen, into the future. That's what enabled him to deal with what, with the cross that was before him. That wasn't where the focus was. And that's the same way that we need to imitate that. Um, James um, one seventeen. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turnings. Again, seeing into that unseen, seeing where everything is available. And then uh, James 5, 7 and 8. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. I see that as another, uh, it's not a word for anchor, but I'm picturing it as an anchor. Establish in one spot, not budging, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Um, and then Second Peter 1, 3 to 4, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the, the knowledge of him who has called us by virtue, glory and virtue, by which we have been given to have been given to us the exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So that divine nature, again, has given us everything that we need in the spirit that pertain to life and godliness. And the way we get it out is through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And that is how we get those great and precious promises. That's how we get to pull them out. Um, and then because of that, through those, we can partake in the divine nature. So all of the, the, the fruits of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, whether you feel them or not in your soul, they're all in your spirit right now, 100%. Absolutely perfect. All we have to do is focus on that, choose to believe that. First John. So First um, John 3, 21 to 22. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And the same concept in verse uh, chapter 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So that's where the peace is to be found. It's that conviction that we've already got. 
everything that we need for life and godliness. It's all been deposited on the inside of us. And regardless of what we see in the natural, that bows the knee to what is in the invisible. The invisible is greater. And the way that Jesus handled all kinds of adversity was by looking into the spirit and pulling it down and with that absolute conviction and faith and in faith in prayer. And that's what we're told to do as well. So I hope that was helpful to you. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you next week. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus, so ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.